Alrighty, guys, this is the 14th episode of the Zoopcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Adam alongside Josh and Louie. We have so much stuff to talk about. Okay, but let's start with the the most important. Let's go in order of importance. The most important thing that happened is that Ilya Kovalchuk was announced as the GM of the Russian national team. Let's get that out of the way. Now that the most important thing is out there instead. It's the Olympic athletes from Russia. Sorry, yeah. How how dare I? Don't censor me, please. Um, Brady signed. He actually did. Let's go. It's a miracle. Um, I will be completely honest. I was losing hope quite fast i was like it was going down the drain pretty quickly for me i think a lot of people were in that boat too and then like bruce bomb out of nowhere on game day on actually on last... sends prospects bomb oh, yeah, that's on right. twitter before <laughs> eyes prospect. emoji and contract emoji <laughs> two minutes later bruce um bruce tweets it out it's like yeah. oh my god no way like he actually got this you're right so let's give credit where it's due that was a sends prospects lead i don't know i i don't know how he got that first but I didn't even see that. Really? Oh, it was yeah, crazy. No, I, I, I do remember it. that now that Josh said it. He posted like an eye emoji and a contract emoji, and then everyone was like, what? Like, what does this mean? And everyone thought it was going to be like an ELC, because it was like, it's like sense prospects. And then Bruce Carriock is like, Brady Kachuk is here for seven years, and everyone's like, what? No way. Little did we know he was just late to the Parker Kelly extension. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh man, everyone knows about this. Um, but he signed, he did it, and the contract is a long one, it is seven years. It is, uh, it is 8.2 AAV, which is, I mean, let's be honest, it's a little steep, 8.2, but I don't think anyone cares, and he's here for seven years, and that's all that matters, really. Um, so, Louis, I'll turn it over to you, your initial thoughts on, on the deal and, and what you think about it. I'm just so happy that he signed long-term. Like, mm-hmm. all of this, like... I guess discourse and just like just the toxicity in the air, I guess you could say when it was just, yeah, if we, if we sign him to three-year deal, we're marching him to like UFA because we'll just accept the qualifying offer. It's just, the vibes were just so bad heading into the home opener into like for a season where the, the rebuild is over quote unquote, and we're supposed to, you know, start taking the next step and you just felt the angst and it's just, nobody was really looking forward to this. And then Brady Kachuk signs. (laughs) <laughs> the vibes on Twitter were insane. Yep. Everybody was popping off. And yeah, obviously, it's a little bit of an overpay. Hopefully, he keeps developing and makes it less so. But it's a necessary one. Like he's here for seven years. That means we have, what, Shabbat and Kachuk are here for until 2028, mm-hmm. that means. And then Batherson as well. for Batherson one last year. Colin White's going to be here for a little, pretty long too. So, I mean, that's a lot of key guys signed to long term. So, it's it's a nice... Nice turning over a new leaf, I guess. That whole day was pretty incredible, right? Because yeah. they, and like, everyone wakes up in the morning and it's like, oh man, like, sends game day, they're starting. Like, there's, you're like, you said it, like, nobody was really excited. <laughs> I mean, I got like, people were a little excited, but there was like this cloud of dread just hanging yeah. over the team. 
that's like, man, this is gonna suck. Like, this is gonna ruin this opening. There's like night. an asterisk on everything. Basically. I know, like it's the first time guys are in the building for a regular season game, and like you should be able to enjoy this, but you can't because of this thing that hasn't happened yet. And then he signed, and it was like, oh my god, like let's go. And then they beat the Leafs. They beat the Leafs. I was at the game, and I'll be honest. The Leaf Sens fan ratio was not as bad as it usually is. It was like about, I'd say it was about 50-50. And it seemed like they were mostly in the lower bowls. The they were, fans. yeah, they were mostly in the lower bowl. Also, the the 300s were quite full, which was kind of cool to see. I was sitting up in the yeah. 300s. Um, but man, it was a f- crazy, crazy fun atmosphere. The Zoob chants were fantastic. I hope that that stays for the whole season. Because that was super well done. You could still hear them during the Dallas game on. Yeah, uh, yeah, on even Sunday, with so. the eight thousand people that were there. But <laughs> the zoo, yeah, it was it was fun to be there, man. It was it was a really good game, big win. They almost pulled a classic sends and choked that at the end. But, but yeah, we've we defended two that. leads for both of our wins late. I know. Well, I... D- defended, let's quote unquote that defended. Um, but let's. I mean, so yes, Brady signed and it was great. Obviously, he didn't play, but when he came out in the and said hi to everyone on the jumbotron oh man that was cool everyone was getting up everyone was hyped he was hyped he was doing the frank the tank um it was fun but uh josh maybe onto the game to the game itself uh they win three two which is cool um take who do you think you were wrong yes yeah screw you josh simpson yeah mike amadio did not score a hat trick unfortunately maybe in spirit though we'll give him that um Josh, what did you think of the opening game? Who stood out to you and, and maybe over the course of the next couple games as well? Um, a couple guys have definitely taken steps. I mean, the biggest name is Stutzel so far. Like, he's he's looked very good, both analytically and just the eye test. Like, he's just so dynamic out there. Um, you know, defensively, like he's not. they're not giving up as many chances when he's on the ice. He does, however, have different line mates, which we might get into later, you know, whether he's going to stay with Norris and Batherson. But I'm really liking the way he's playing out there. He's seeing the ice really well, especially in the offensive zone, making a lot of nice passes. Hasn't really been rewarded. I think he has one power play assist so far in three games. Sure. Yeah. But he's probably my number one guy that's been doing well. Um, Nick Holden, not like mm-hmm. a you know bigger name, but he's really impressed me. Um, sort of as just like a third pair guy who, again, might talk about this later. I wish was paired with Brandstrom. He was paired with Josh Brown last night, but you know what? That pairing actually did really well. Um, if, do you want my opinion on guys who aren't doing as well? Please, <laughs> enlighten us. Enlighten us. Let, let, let's stay on defense. Nikita Zaitsev, okay. yep. in my opinion, and I don't think this is an unpopular opinion, has been difficult to watch. This okay. Um, Shabbat kind of made him look like he knew how to play hockey last year, and now, through two games, because he didn't play last night, Zaitsev has made um, Victor Mete didn't he play a healthy scratch. Night? No, Mete didn't Mete. play last night. Oh, Mete, yeah. okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. because of, you know, Mete can't do his thing when Zaitsev is such an anchor, mm-hmm. which is just rough for him. But he has an A on his jersey, right? So he's not coming out of the lineup, <laughs> which just makes it so difficult. Um, you know, Delzato Zaitsev had pretty decent on-ice results yesterday but I wouldn't expect that to actually continue to be the case. So that's on the back end. That's my uh, not so good so far. Yeah, I, I'd say that's a fair assessment. And I, I know like 
people seemed really surprised for some reason when Zeit like when Zaitsev was doing so poorly. Like, man, like he's he's bad. Like he's so bad. Like this kind of been every year, really. Like he's just you like you touched on it. Like he's had Shabbat there to like barely bring him up a little bit to the point of like decent respectability. He started off him... last year incredible, didn't he? Yeah, like, like for the, for the first, first four games. games. Yeah. And yes. then and yeah, but then you put him with a guy and like Mete's not bad. I like Victor Mete a lot. But he's not Thomas Shabbat. He can't elevate his partner to the extent that Shabbat does. And yeah. you put him with Mete, like, what's he supposed to do? Like, like, I, and I feel bad for Mete that he had to come out of the lineup there because he definitely. I mean, he did. He didn't have a great game against Toronto the second game. Let's be honest. Like, he was not great. But no, but I would say Zaitsev was worse. I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it would have helped Victor Mete a lot if he had a competent partner to play with. And I don't think he would be out of the lineup if he was with the guy like. Maybe Holden or, or something else like that. Um, I know you said Branstrom would be a good fit there, which I also agree with. And and that's the other thing. Let's, let's we could touch on Branstrom now because it's a good segue. He's not playing. He's in Belleville somehow. And he's played two games. He's played two games, but it's a, it is very frustrating to see this from a fan perspective. That I mean, he'll always be looked at as the Mark Stone. Like that's just yeah. how it's going to be. And when Mark Stone is playing in the AHL for your team, that's just not a good look. Well, like, also, he's good enough to play in the NHL. He's proven this multiple Especially times. Especially on this team. Yeah, exactly. Like, he really, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the lineup, and I think that's it's, what makes it frustrating. Yeah, Bruce Garriock touched on it yesterday in question period, between periods. They said from the team what he's hearing um, is he need, they need Branstrom to find consistency defensively which I think is really funny because they aren't giving him a chance to be consistent when they're sending him down, bringing him back up, putting him on the right side, putting him on the left side. It's like, how do you expect consistency when he's not even in a consistent role? Yeah. And his partners, like, uh, like he's had so many partners too. Like he's yeah. not, you know what I mean? I really thought he was going to stick with Holden after That's what like, I was gonna say. those preseason yeah. games. He looked great, or that pair looked great. I wonder if the only reason Delzato came in yesterday is because Branstrom played Friday and Saturday, so they weren't going to make him play a third straight night, mm-hmm. right? So maybe he comes up before Thursday's game and plays with Holden, or you know, yeah. plays with someone. Maybe it's Zaitsev. Hopefully not, but well, you know, maybe he's called up pretty soon because Shabbat. I'm not sure his time on ice overall in the last two games, but he played almost 30 minutes in the in in the second game. I believe it was like they're still relying on his offense way too much, and he is their best defenseman by far. But yeah. if he's playing 30 minutes a night in the first couple games of the season, he's going to be burnt out later in the season. You need someone else who's providing offense, you know, in a close game. And that's probably Eric Branstrom. He's probably your second best offensively capable defenseman. And you look at Chabot, like he, they won with him only playing 23-49 in the third game against Dallas. Like the, the ice time was super spread out during mm-hmm. that game. Like he got Zuma mm-hmm. 20-48. Shabbat at 23:49, and then all of the other defensemen are between 17:08 and 18:06, wow. which is probably the most balanced ice time I've I've seen for this this Sens decor in years. Because yeah. you always have Shabbat all the way at the top, or somebody else like just getting maybe just 12 minutes a night. So maybe we can finally make it work where yeah, if you especially if you bring Brandstrom in, you can rely less on Shabbat and have him you know shine and not kind of have his play go lower because he's always fatigued of having to play this much. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you talked about how Michael Delzato came in 
and played a game yesterday. He was dreadfully bad in the preseason. Like he was really not good at all. And, and he, he said knew that. that. Yeah, he said exactly. it too, right? Like in the in the interview, DJ Smith is like, you know, Michael Delzato told me like, what can I do to get better? I honestly didn't think he was that bad yesterday at all. I I really didn't mind him. Obviously, you know, if it's between him and Brandstrom, like, you know, everyone knows who who we're picking there. Um, this is Brandstrom had such a better preseason than Delzato. Exactly. He really should have been given that opportunity before Delzato, but. If, de- if he's going to come in here and be a serviceable third-pair defenseman, he is signed for two years. Like, it- it's better if they make it work, I think. You know what I mean? Like, you're paying him. You- like, if-, if, he's ter- if he's genuinely terrible and can't play, don't play him. Simple as that. But I didn't think he was awful last night. I mean, I'm not as smart as other people, so maybe I'm seeing stuff that other people aren't seeing. But it's obviously also a very short sample size, so you can't base it off that. But if he strings together, like, in the early part of the season, a few decent games, that might go a long way in assuring that he's, you know, maybe, dep- like, more consistently deployed on the third pair in a good role, um, which hopefully he can get. But Yeah, I mean, he did fairly well last game. Yeah. Like, obviously, he, he started off not too great. Like, he had a couple bad turnovers in the D zone, and he was, was it the, the Stars had... I think only two shots in the first like 15 minutes. And of the he game. was on the ice for both. He was yeah, on the ice for both. That. Yeah. But in the end, I think he, he got, I have it here. He got a 54.5% on ice expected goal share, like adjusting for yeah, stuff, sure. but that's fourth best on the team this season so far with mm-hmm. Stutzla being second. So is this Zaitsev? This is Delzato. Delzato. Okay. Yeah. Cause they played, yeah. Uh, on the season, <laughs> Zaitsev mm-hmm. is at 50.5% expected goals, which is, the Sens as a team, I believe, are slightly below fifty percent. So he's been better than relative, like you know, relative to the mm-hmm. team. That's that's natural stat trick, right? Yeah, Shabbat okay. and Zub um, have been very on the lower end. Shabbat's at forty six percent, Zub's only at forty one percent. So kind of not a terrific start for that pair to start the season. But it's a very small sample. Shabbat and Zub are facing yeah. the best competition. There's a big drop off in competition with Dallas between their top couple lines and their bottom couple lines, so mm-hmm. it's definitely not a good uh, a good enough sample. Yeah, and like once you start adjusting for other factors, like you said, like if you adjust for competition, it's going to be much better. But even just adjusting for like score and flurry adjustments, those get much closer. Like Shabbat gets up to like forty nine percent, and you have Zub at forty four. So obviously they they have been better than the the analytics have been showing and. With with it being such a small sample size, you'll you'll see it get closer to fifty percent and hopefully higher up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even willing to. I don't think they rolled out their best six defensemen yet this year. So I no. I don't really. It's it's. I feel like it's not fair to comment on it until they do. Will Especially they ever? After three games. Yeah. Will they ever roll out their best six defensemen? I don't know. I would say that they're almost rolling out only three of their best six defensemen. Yeah. Last night. Sure. Because I would say good. Mete Brandstrom and probably Bernard Docker. Are, would be in, in my opinion, over Zaitsev, uh, Delzato, and then maybe Josh Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I also don't think it's really fair to bring up JBD at this stage, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't mind them being in the AHL. It's just if we're talking about who are your actual six best defensemen, I would probably have JBD in that conversation, especially over Zaitsev. Did you watch any of the, the Belleville games this weekend? No, I was not able to. I've, focused well a watch the sends games and be a lot of studying this weekend for me personally <laughs> i was wondering how he and brandstrom maybe looked and maybe thompson because i heard thompson, thompson scored decent. yeah he scored yeah yeah no i'll definitely be watching uh, catching up on those games this week 
Yeah, I was a little busy with the 67s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, Bell, I mean, there's a lot of hockey going on right now. Sands are going, Belleville's going, 67s are, or, uh, yeah, 67s are going. But I mean, sticking with Sands, who we think are good or bad, we should. So this podcast owes a certain someone an apology. And if you listen to other episodes, previous episodes of this podcast, there are players that we we generally dislike as as a team. Maybe not dislike. Maybe more we harp on where their, we're going. Yeah, <laughs> harp on their reason to be here. Yes, yeah. that's sure. We'll go with that. And one of those individuals is is Christopher Tierney, who plays on the Sens. In case you didn't know. What if his name is Christian Tierney? Do you know for sure? Okay. It's if, you didn't know, if you didn't know before last week, you know now. He's he is on the Sens. He's on the team. And he has he has three goals in three games. And, and he hasn't used a stick yet. I don't and he think. has not. I mean, the third one a little bit. That's how good he didn't even need a stick to score. He hasn't used the stick the yet. The third one was like goals. a bubble hockey thing where you just jam your player towards the net and it just goes in mm-hmm. off him and in. Yep. He's so far he's kicked it in. He's um we're gonna say thrusted it in for the second one. And then, yeah, the, I don't even know what the third one even was. I don't know what body part was used for that. I can't goal. confirm. His name is just Chris Tierney. No Christopher, okay. no Chris. Well, I'm going to call him Christopher because okay. he deserves the other letters. He looks for... like a Christopher, I feel. Looks like a Christopher, doesn't he? And and he's like he's – got... so he did this last year where he started the first couple games. He got like three goals in the first four games or something and didn't score for like three calendar months and then – scored twice against Calgary or something. So the the interesting thing with that, um, Sean Simpson today on Twitter said he played last season with a back injury the entire yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And then he also lost 12 pounds in the off season, which I don't know if it's, that, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. It could have been 12 pounds of muscle for all we know, but point being like, he's probably in better shape just in terms of physical health than he was last year. So while I'm not expecting him to continue at an 82 goal pace, <laughs> I would expect him to score more than three goals in the next 79 games. Like he, he should finish with more than six goals or whatever he did last year. Yeah, yeah. and to be fair, his let's be honest, his back injury is just going to get re-aggravated if he keeps carrying oh, yeah. this offense like he currently is. <laughs> I mean, one of these days he's going to score with his back the way it's yeah. going, and that won't be good. Somebody's got to take over the Colin White's weird, like redirected <laughs> goals that shouldn't count. Maybe he'll get a headbutt goal, Chris Tierney. Then Colin White will be really jealous. Yeah, because that one will count. Uh, well, who knows? Um, but listen, like, we we crap on Chris Tierney a lot. Let's not beat around the bush. But if he turns out to be a productive player this year, there's no reason why he shouldn't be on the team. Like, they, like you know how many times Pierre Dorian's been asked, like, are you going to find help at center? Like, you need help at center. If Chris Tierney, like, suddenly becomes the help at center why wouldn't you keep him around, right? Like, that would be the easiest solution to that problem, is if he turns out to just be actually good. Yeah, I think Tierney's, you know, he could be on the team. I think ideally if they're trying to, not necessarily make the playoffs, because we're still trying to be realistic, but if they're trying to, you know, be good this year and stay in games, I don't think Chris Tierney should be the third line center, especially, you know, White's out with an injury, so it kind of forces him to be. One interesting name that's been on the trade block for a while is Dylan Strome in Chicago. I think he'd be a great addition and fit at third line center. And then you push Tierney down to play the fourth line where Logan Shaw has not fared very well analytically. No. Yeah, he's been bad. So ideally, you know, you push them down a little bit. 
Dylan Strom is a guy who's not great defensively, but offensively he can do a lot. Um, I know he hasn't really played this year, and not that it's directly correlated, but Chicago is struggling to score goals, especially at five on five, which yeah. Dylan Strom is pretty good at. Um, so I, I wonder what is what the asking price is for him because I think he's a guy that in a sense should be interested in. Like he's pretty young, he's got you know he's a top three pick, so he's still got that upside. That that's a guy that I would love to see in a sense jersey. Just getting back on Chris Tierney for a second because this is kind of funny. I'm on Natural Stat Trick currently looking up Chris Tierney's underlying numbers, and I don't think they're updated from the beginning of the year because it says that he has 33 seconds of time on ice, no Corsi four. Two Corsi against and which situation are you looking at? Like, I'm is this... on on ice. Yeah, but like, is it like five on it's, five, it, five on four? No, it's yeah, it's 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 five on five. I, oh no, it's not five on five. Okay, oh. there you go. Oh, that's 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 embarrassing. Oh well, I don't know. We're looking that. at like with an he's empty currently, net. He's I, currently got fifty-two point two percent on ice score and flurry adjusted expected goal share. So, pretty solid. Technology is not my strong suit. That's why I let Louie do all the editing. But anyway, we will move on. Dylan Strom, yes. Dylan Strom, that's who we were talking about. Yes, on Dylan Strom. I have now pulled up his stats. In the last three seasons, since he joined Chicago, he put up 51 points in 58 games, 38 points in 58 games, and then 17 in 40 games, which is a bit of a downgrade from those previous two seasons. Yeah. But you can see that there's clearly some ability there unless he had a stretch of almost 200 or sorry a stretch of over 100 games that were fluky um which seems unlikely yeah that's 156 games where he performed at above third line center level but probably would slot in as the sense third line center behind norris and pinto um that's a guy that i think the sense should be targeting yeah and his, his value probably isn't extremely high right now either um, yeah. I know that he was wearing a healthy scratch jersey at, at Hawks practice today or yesterday. Um, yeah, well, he hasn't so, played yet. So. Well, exactly. Like, he's yep, not that's the play. issue there. That's totally the reason why they're losing games right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah can, we talk about, can we talk about Chicago for a bit? That team is, like, catastrophically bad on, on defense to start the year. I don't know what they expected with the Seth Jones experiment, but I think it's going exactly how people predicted that it was going to go. Imagine if they still had Duncan Keith. On that, oh on, be, on one of those 60. That'd be fun. Oof. Man. And yeah, Flurry. I feel bad for Flurry. Oh my God. He, there, did you see that stat where in the first like 10 minutes of the, of the first period of the first game, he faced more high danger scoring chances than he did all year in Vegas last year? I saw that, but I'm no not chance. sure if it was real. I, I don't, don't believe that. I didn't believe it either. I, I, I think someone might have fact checked it. But I did see it on Instagram, which usually doesn't mean it's entirely <laughs> I true. I saw it on Twitter, but... Oh, did you? Well, yeah, well it, was a tweet it seems unbelievable. There, but... Like, really. What's unbelievable is the fact that he let in a Jack Johnson breakaway goal. Yeah, that's right. That was, that was nuts. <laughs> I mean, Seth Jones has 35.6% expected goals, which is pretty bad. But you that's know who's bad. worse? Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane, 25% yeah. expected goals <laughs> for... Most Damn. of the team is under Jones. You know who they sent down today? Their only player above 50%, Ian Mitchell, who's at 64% expected. <laughs> oh, my away. God. That's they unreal. said, you know what? We're allergic to players who perform well in advanced stats. We are sending you down. Um, 
I'm not exactly sure who's replacing him in the line rushes at practice today, but I just remembered Hawks fans were not very happy about that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I don't mind seeing the Hawks be bad. Yeah, agreed. Disaster on and off the ice. Yeah, that's and the the the, the Blackhawks were called. It was Mike Mike Hardman who exists and is real. So he's now taking line rushes for them, I think, instead of Mitchell. Um, but anyway, uh, talk about bad teams with bad starts, though. We love it when the Habs lose. And they've been doing a lot of losing in, oh, yes. to start this season. The Habs have lost to the Leafs. The Habs have lost to the Buffalo Sabres, which is so good. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> and then in the yeah, Craig Anderson continues to be a inside agent for the Sens and just beats the Habs all the time. They also lost to the Rangers at at the home opener, which is great. A lot of angry Habs fans, which is always fun to see. Um, that team doesn't look very good. And I don't, I mean, this, they lost a lot and their big off season acquisition on defense was like David Savard, who's terrible. So, and they were no match for Craig Anderson. Yeah, exactly. So let's, everything is going wrong in Montreal. Yippee. That's great. Um, do you think Louis, I'll give this to you. Do you think they can turn it around there at all? Or do you think they're in for a long, a long year? I hope not. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's just. You look at some of their players and just Suzuki and Caulfield just haven't they haven't done anything this year, have they? Like it just Caulfield has been invisible both yeah, on the ice and stat wise. Like he yeah. just yeah. hasn't looked. And I don't know if it's the way that they're moving the lines or like you know the lines. Um, Philip Deneau being gone is a huge loss for them because he was eating up all the top competition minutes. Yep. So everyone else got pushed up the lines. Nick Suzuki's playing against better players. So that's not necessarily going to make him worse, but it's going to give him a harder time trying to do what he did last year. Um, it's okay. He got his he got his payday. He can move on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, at least they have Drouet back, which he's is nice. Been like very he's looking good. good. He's been, good. He's been yeah, the bright he's been, spot on that team. Him and Toffoli have probably been their best players so far. Yeah, and it is but it's nice to that, see it's nice to see Drouet do well. After are they course. playing with yeah. Dvorak? or what's the line spin? Because I'm just looking at some of their numbers and. Those are the top three forwards by a mile. Well, yeah, Dvorak. I don't. I. I, don't, I wonder. Has he been doing well? Because he was supposed to come in and, and fill the uh, the void the there. Hole. Yeah. So their lines. Their lines here have been Toffoli, Suzuki, Caulfield, Jure, Dvorak, Anderson. Okay. These are the line sense. rushes today, I believe, because it's also Hoffman, Evans, Gallagher. Third line. Can't believe Gallagher hasn't in the played third yet, line. has he? Hoffman's no. Those are the, so those are the lines yeah. today. Yeah. Right. So these may not have been used in the prior games. And then Lekkinen, Matthew Perot, and Yoel Armia. Um, no Cedric Pocket. They've got the they've got the depth, which is funny because he his stats his advanced stats are looking good. Um, they have the depth. They don't have the firepower. You know they have no star players. You know Tyler Toffoli scored a lot of goals last year, but he's not really like a. You look at another Ontario team. You look at the Leafs. They don't have anyone like any huge names like that, and that's kind of. A, one of the reasons they made the cup finals, but also one of the reasons that they're not like performing very well right now. They don't have any difference makers. And their yeah. their decor is looking quite slim. I don't know. Right. They got KHL defenseman of the year, Chris Weidman in there. Sorry. Yeah, he's been like people have not been happy with how he's been playing, apparently. He scored their one goal against Buffalo. I like, know, but apparently well, I mean Sens fans remember this. He cannot really play defense still. 
Um, I, I didn't mind him when he was with Ottawa as a third pairing. Yeah, I agree. As, as a third pairing. That was pairing also offense. years ago. Did he ago. play with Boro back then? Probably. Okay. I believe so, yes. That kind of makes sense, I guess, as a pairing. I remember during that run really wanting um, Clayson and Weidman to be paired together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Nice little true. third pair. Oh, well. Good times. But yeah, I mean, what? Who do the Habs have on deeds like Savard and Petrie? Sherrod, Sherrod and Savard's the second pair, and it's Edmondson. From what I've heard, it's been uh, brutal. Black Sherrod, yeah. But Sherrod and Savard has been um, Delzato Zaitsev-esque. Yeah, I mean, what did pair. you expect? Like, good God. And I mean, Romanov, to not my surprise, but to Habs fans' surprise, has not been a huge top pair defenseman success. Like thirty percent expected goal share right now. By the way, nice. Yeah. I mean, overall, nice. Romanov is not a bad player, but there were there was a lot of high hopes that he was coming from the KHL and he was ready to be like, you know, their second best defenseman behind Petrie. Yeah, I never got that crazy hype. I don't know. Yeah, here we are, and he's. Um, I mean, he is playing top pair, but is he a top pair defenseman? Not really. No. So as we mentioned before, Brady Kachuk is on the team now, which is great but he hasn't played yet. He is expected to play this upcoming Thursday. I think it's against the Sharks um, at home. So that'll be cool. Hopefully people show up for the Brady Kachuk. Uh... Captain crowning announcement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Wait, with Carlson, our last captain there. Yes, very s- symbolic moment in sense history coming up on Thursday. Um, but what needs to be decided by then is what the lines are going to look like. Because obviously Brady's going to come in, so someone's going to come out. Maybe they move the top six around a little bit. Um, I feel like we're going to have very similar answers. But let's try to talk about what we think the top six should be. And there's a lot of kind of stuff in play with the lines that DJ likes to run and, and the players that he likes to put together. I can just go first since I'm already going. But I think you have to reunite Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson as the first line. And I think you could make an argument that Stutzel could maybe play up there as well instead of Kachuk. But that line was really good last year, and it would be a shame to see them not be able to at least try to run it back. Um, on line two, obviously Stutzel's going to be there. I would really like to see him with Shane Pinto and with Connor Brown on the right. I think that would be a really cool line. The problem with that, I think, is that DJ really likes this identity line of he called it the identity line, I think, of of like I think it's Nick Paul, Shane Pinto, and Connor Brown. And I think the odd thing about that is that line has actually, I think, been broken up once or twice in the last in the first few games. Um, which is a little odd. But uh but either way, um Josh, maybe you could go next and, and if you disagree with my top six, what what would you rather do? No, I agree. I'd put um Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, that those guys were good together last year. The only thing that worries me um, about doing that would probably just be, I don't know, how, like Pinto and Connor Brown aren't the best shooting threats, whereas Batherson and Norris both are shooting threats. So Stutzel's playmaking might not be as useful with those right. two guys. I think that... Um, Paul, Pinto, and Brown would be an outstanding third line, like a defensive shutdown line that also can score some goals. That obviously requires trading for a center and trading for a right winger. So if you go back on like Dylan Strom, I mean, if you put Stutzel and Dylan Strom, like obviously I'm, this is hypothetical. Um, I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent, so I'm not going to allow myself to do that. 
Yes, of the six guys here, Stutzel Pinto Brown <laughs> would be my second line. In the in, between last season and the couple minutes they played together this season, they have a sixty-three percent expected goal share, which is very good, obviously. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it allows Stutzel to have defensively responsible linemates as well, because that's and where he struggles the most. Is on yeah. Defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in terms of actual goal share, like they've scored four goals together and they've only been on the ice for two against. So that looks good from a purely result standpoint. Um, the the top six, I think, no matter how you make it, as long as it's with those six guys, is going to look good analytically. It's just at least pushing Paul down to the bottom six is really going to help as well because they've kind of struggled. Um, mm. Formanton hasn't done great. I mean, Parker Kelly has, um, but... Formington looks good. He just hasn't had very great results at five on five. Uh, Tierney's been okay in terms of, you know, on ice results, but pushing Paul down there really helps the bottom six round out as well. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Formington because I was going to say like, he might be kind of a dark horse candidate to fill the top six, just because of how good of a preseason that he had. He scored, he has a goal this year. Um, obviously that speed is just, it's really killer. Um, but it's just, you know, and I, I, you said like, he hasn't been fantastic from a numbers perspective, maybe a boost to the top, you know, putting him in the top six might help him. Um, but, uh, maybe that might be a project for another day, but Louie, I can't imagine that your top six is, is very much different. No. Yeah. I, since we, we know that Kachuk's going back on the first line, right? So you got Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, and then Stutzla Pinto Brown is obviously what I would go for. And I guess ideally if that's the case and you split up the identity line or whatever i'd like to see the third line be because we've been apparently we've been trying nick paul at center at practice and i think he played a couple of shifts at center in game two against the yep. Leafs. so maybe then the third line could be formanton paul ennis yeah i think sure. that'd be very interesting because then you got some nick paul who could be the um the four checking guy you got ennis who could just do everything along the half boards and then Formington, who could thrive and transition with speed. I think that'd be a great line, too. Yeah. And and the cool thing about that is it makes your fourth line, like, Kelly, who's been great. Uh, yeah, Sanford, Tierney, Kelly. And Tierney. Which, which is really, mind. it's not, it's a, a, fourth it's not a bad fourth line at all. It's just Kelly's the problem comes, like, if that becomes your third line, <laughs> then that's... Yeah. That's, that's the one the thing issue. I could see happen, or that I wouldn't mind happening, is obviously you, you, it seems like they're going to keep Kachuk and Norris together pretty much no matter what. Yeah. Right? Um, but if you do Kachuk, Norris, like if you want to move stuff around, I think they might want to try, I don't know, Kachuk, Norris, and then maybe if you want like a super powerful, just top nine, evenly spread out, you get Kachuk, Norris, um, maybe Formanton, and then you go Paul, Pinto, Brown, and then you get, um, who's left after that? Batherson. Yeah, Stutzla and Batherson on the wings, centered by... Whoever's left, Ennis I think. Is left. Ennis. I mean, he has played center before, and he said he would be confident playing center. So I feel like that'd be an interesting configuration mm-hmm. to try out with. So Kachuk, Norris, Formanton, Paul Pinto, Brown, Stutzla, Ennis, Batherson. It would. It could be interesting, and would really, you know, even out the offense and make all those lines kind of a threat. It would also make the top nine a threat. Are these two hypothetical trades that I'm not even going to make up a return for? However, <laughs> let's make up a scenario that's never going to happen, but has ran through my head multiple times in the last couple of days. The Sens trade for Dylan Strome. They also trade for Ottawa native Claude Giroux. They then also, make their top nine. 
Yes, there are a lot of rumors about that, which we haven't really touched on. It's like, you know, yeah. if Claude Drew leaves Philly, he'd want to play in Ottawa. So let's just say we got those two players matching. You could make Kachuk, Norris Batherson, Stutzel, Strom, Giroux, and then Paul <laughs> Pinto Brown as your third line. Oh, I think that's a fun looking top nine. But then where does Chris Tierney play? He gets traded fourth, in one of those trades. He's on center. pace for 82 goals. He's part of that return, baby. You yeah, just you're know right. it. Tierney yeah. for Strom, one for one. I mean, Chicago needs defensively responsible forwards. He's third in the league in goals, so. Does that mean Formington Ennis Kelly fourth line? Because that's kind of cool. Nice. No, Sanford, man. He's, no, we don't he's the healthy scratch. He's the healthy scratch. <laughs> They're not healthy scratching Sanford. No chance. He's such They've a DJ player. They've been like rolling him as like the 13th forward a few times, though, haven't they? Like well, in practice before. Um, like yeah, but he's played every game. Yeah, like but he hasn't played a lot. Who, who comes out for it when Kachuk's back? I don't think it's Shaw because he's a center. It's got to be Shaw. No, it's it's going to be Shaw because you can move wing, you can move a couple of your wingers to center. Like Paul said could play center. Lewis just said Ennis could play center. Maybe Kelly. What? Yeah, but DJ doesn't want Paul at center. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, like, it's either that or one of your better – like, Logan Shaw is objectively the worst player on that forward group. Yeah. So he should come out. Like, yeah. He should, but so if he's not coming out because he's a center, then that means like one of like Sanford, Ennis, or Kelly is gonna come out who are who no. way better. They're gonna send down Shane Pinto. This is also a possibility. But Chris Tierney, yes. second line. Center. After playing twenty one right. minutes the other day, trying to come <laughs> off like the last little bit. They're yeah. <laughs> oh man, I mean, hey, who knows? The Sens continue to surprise us. Maybe they do something drastic. I don't know. I mean, they listen. Like they have three. Four, like almost four days pretty much between games like pierre's got a lot of time to talk and think so yeah maybe we see something see something come another, up yeah i mean another one we were talking about d pairs earlier forward lines another person who might be coming back thursday is matt murray their mm-hmm. quote-unquote starting goalie who so like if you put him in against the other two guys this year is the worst of the three just in that small sample like philip gustafson has played 10 games now. He has a 6-1-2 and two record and a 934 save percentage. And they're going to send him back down to the AHL. And and because Forsberg was fantastic in his He team. was, yeah. Yes. Which makes it tough, right? Because, you know, if Forsberg's not good, you put him on waivers and you make Gustafson the backup. But now, like, that's an asset, especially maybe around deadline time, if the Sens are looking to get some picks. That's a guy that teams might be looking for, like David Riddick was last year for, for Toronto. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like, they have a tough decision to make, but it's going to suck to inevitably see Philip Gustafson sent back down with his really, really good numbers. He couldn't have done anything else to further his cause to stay here. Yeah, <laughs> two goals on thirty-four shots. Like, I mean, the first goal went in on the first shot of the game too. It was not his fault. Not no. even. A, not he was even so a open. It like both, both goals raffle? were grade A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was raffle. Yeah, I did not know Michael Raffle played for the Stars. Until I didn't know he that. still played. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I don't know. He's been, it's just Gustafson's been so good, you know, like his, he can't send him down. Like what message is that? I mean, they will. It's not good. I mean, goalies, it's different. Sends love the culture, right? They love the culture and and earning your spot. What message is that? Same with Brandstrom. Like what message is it sending? Like you're doing everything you can and it's like, actually you suck. Go back down. Like, what are you, what are you teaching him? There's, that's not a teaching moment. That's a thing is with goalies. It's really weird. Like, just the way the AHL is played, it doesn't like the numbers won't always transition perfectly because it's such a more or it's a such a less structured game, right? 
So yeah. some goalies might thrive there, but not in the NHL. And then you have other players like vice versa. Like Gustafson, obviously he was better towards the end of the 1920 season before COVID got shut down. Like he was goalie of the month in January or something. But before that, his save percentage was not good. And then he comes here and he has a 934 in like 10 games. Yeah. And, and he's looked apart too. Like he looks super poised. His rebound control has been great. Like he kicks pucks all the way to the corners. Yeah. Like it's nothing. And like so. at what point, like I know it's it's 10 games, not a lot of games, but at, at what point do you say it's not a small sample size anymore? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, he's done it consistently for 10 games. That's, I mean, it's not a hundred games, but <laughs> like, like you said, he looks the part that's counts for something. Surely. Um, I mean, hey, at least next year his contract's a one-way, I believe. I was going to say that he's clearly in the plans to, to be here. But well, the thing that I found interesting, if you want to talk about like future plans for goaltenders, Bruce Garriock was on, uh, like, it was maybe the day before Kachuk signed. And they were talking about how they can't overpay Kachuk because there's all these players coming up who, you know, you got, what did he mention? Sanderson, Norris needs a contract. So Stutzel, actually, too. Yeah, Stutzel. And then he mentioned Mad Sogard will need one, and he might end up being the best one of them all. So how highly? Because they traded up for Sogard, they did. How highly do they think of him? Like well, he's, clearly he the started the Gus. I think he's played one. Has he played one game or two games this year? I'm not sure, but he wasn't one. very. Oh no, he wasn't very good. Two, two. He played both. In the in the opener, he wasn't great. No, right? he was better in the second game. Because I remember last year he had a crazy year in the NHL. It was so, so good. And then he really crapped his pants in the first game. Else. Else. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he really did not do well in the first he game. He has an 837 this year. Yeah. That's, I mean, two games, like, give it time. But yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. They have so many. Like, just one of them will work, you'd think. Yeah. But anyway, so that's. Well, I mean, also the Matt Murray contract on the books. Yeah. Which is pretty much untradeable at this point. I still don't get why they gave him four years and not three. Because three would have lined him up perfectly with all the other guys, like, which is when, you know, Stutzel needs an extension and Sanderson's going to, or not Sanderson. Like, it seemed like that was the timeline, and then that's when they have to start paying their young guys, especially starting. Then obviously, you already have Kachuk and Batheson signed, but it just seemed like three years would have been perfect. It's probably written somewhere in the master plan where they did four. <laughs> I don't know. It just it it makes I feel like it makes so much more sense if he just had one more year and if hey if the experiment doesn't work then he's gone right again we don't know mm-hmm. how good he will be this year. Well, the set the sense have their ways, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just because then the plan next year would be Murray Gustafson, then maybe by then the year after Sogard, but everything gets pushed over one year because of the extra year. So I don't know. We'll see. His salary yeah. is higher than his cap hit starting next season, so that's when he know. becomes a trade candidate. Although he does have a ten team no trade clause, so now it's like. Where does he want to go? Yeah, so that's not crazy. That that's no. that's workable. It's workable. It's better than the other way around. You can't be put in the Jack Eichel trade though for cap because Buffalo is probably on that ten team list, so kind of gets tricky there. I think Buffalo is it like out of the percentages of people that have some form of no trade. What? How many of them do you think are in, have Buffalo included in them? Like percentage less wise? than Winnipeg and Ottawa, I think. Le- I don't think less. I would say more. Really, especially well, I guess, right now. I guess especially more recent contracts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's like true. you look at Buffalo and you're like, this team is not going to be good for at least three or four seasons more. Yeah. As I, I, so I said, at least, right? Yeah. Like they could pick up Shane Wright this year, and then they can get Connor Bedard, and boom, now they're good. <laughs> if they still have no other pieces. <laughs> yeah, but they have, the yeah, they got no one. Who and who's their goalie uh, going to be? Tage Thompson. It's not Craig Anderson for five more years. I don't know. UPL don't know. hasn't looked great, but that's like the whole yeah. other conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yes, the sends sends are back and it's great and we have stuff to talk about and it's awesome. We should touch on some. I'm gonna call it breaking news because it literally came out as we started recording. We just haven't been able to get to it until now. Evander, this Evander Kane thing's been going on for a while. It's been lingering and it kind of pops in and out of the news. He just got slammed by the league 21 games. And I think it was for the COVID protocol break, right? It was. Like, so among other things, it was for that. They haven't really t- they didn't touch on the other things in that specific suspension. So he suspended 20, 21 games. He was listed as a non-roster player anyway for the Sharks. So I don't think they really planned on, on playing him just because of all the other stuff. Um, now they don't have a choice. 21 games. Uh, Louis, do you think this is too much, too little? Was this even a necessary suspension or do they kind of have to do it? I'm happy that the league took action, even if it's not necessarily for all the, because what, it was COVID related or whatever, yeah. violating COVID protocols. Yeah. There's been so much going around with Evander Kane and it's, things have not looked very good for him. And no. I don't feel an inch sorry for him. Like the stuff that's been coming out on social media with like how he's apparently treating his family and his wife and gambling on games and all that stuff. It's just, yeah, it's, it's so ugly. You hate to see that. And hey, at least he's he's getting his due right now, I guess. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens when that 21 games is up because that was just, right, we said it, it's just for the COVID stuff. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Well, the organization seems to just not even want him to come, like, even after. Yeah, like, I don't even think, like, even if they, even if he didn't get suspended, I don't think he would have played, no. right? So it's more of, a, like, a making it a formal thing. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean... I think we can leave it at that here. I think we covered a lot this episode. I don't know. We, we're probably, how are we for time? Are we an hour in? Yeah, a little less. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're around 50. You want to talk about more stuff or no? Since captaincy. I mean, uh, my pick is, my pick is probably Chris Tierney. <laughs> That's fair. I was thinking Zaitsev, but. No, I mean, come on. Never. Maybe like one of them at home, one of them away. Yeah, okay. Do you think Zaitsev should be the home or the away captain? Definitely not away. home. Tierney, yeah, not home. Chris Tierney's too beloved by the fans to not make him the home captain, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, let's be real here. Kachuk's going to be the captain, right? Like, it's no... There's no way he's not. Yeah. Um, so, Bruce Gayuk said that Kachuk's negotiations taking as long as they did slightly hinders his odds of being captain. Is that? But his odds like were at like mad 99. Because so. uh, yesterday, Dorian said he has to consult with Melnick about who's the captain. He said they'd so wait like a, a couple weeks, but I think they're just being yeah. coy. Like, so this is a decision between Smith, uh, like Smith, the two peers, and Melnick. Those are the four guys making the decision on captain. Can I? Okay, let's. It's a little off track, but since Pierre Maguire has been hired, what has he actually done or said? Has he said anything? Vowed just for in, Michael Del Zotto, didn't he? He's just yes, like he just you know exists he in the in the press box there with Pierre. Did a fist bump. He, great. Pierre Dorian said that he asked everyone in the room with him to give one word to describe Brady Kachuk, and I forget what the word was, but Pierre Maguire gave a really good word. So good, so so good that I can't remember it. But that that's the extent to, of which um, I understand that, and apparently. He may have been involved in the Sanford trade because he did so many Blues games as a yeah, that's right. guy between the benches. But other than that, I'm not sure. But at least he's not actively doing a lot of bad things. What do you think the word was? We can brainstorm that. For one word, Kachuk, for Pierre Maguire. I could go back and watch the interview and get it to you. <laughs> no, but that's no fun. We could just guess it. God. 
Uh, truculence. There that's go. a good. That's a great Pierre Maguire word. Yeah, I like that. Metamorphic. Maybe he's like a rock. <laughs> that's a really big word. So what I'm is he going to sure, call him? Uh... Igneous at the next meeting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's Pierre Maguire. A lot of stuff goes through that guy's head. Who knows? He probably. He... <sighs> No, oh, I would have said he just he just said St. Louis because that's his hometown. But maybe the name of his <laughs> elementary school. Oh yeah, yeah, that's probably good. I mean, we'll see. Pierre Maguire will make his mark in some way. He'll he'll stay around and we'll do he'll 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 do stuff. Do you think he had an impact in the Holden trade? Well, that's he, the he was, only I other. Mean, how much of an impact can he really have had there? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, because apparently he like stuck his neck out for the Del Zotto thing, and it's just because we're, we're trying to see what he actually contributed to what moves he's what's and, his what's his official title player development right vice president of player a development. little bit of everything so if he's the yeah. vice president of player development isn't shouldn't he not be huge on trades for like veteran players wouldn't that go against his title description i, I don't know I, I think i think dorian refers to him a lot for just for advice basically sure he okay. gives him a lot of yeah. advice on things that fist bump was pretty funny, though. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> that picture. Holy crap. That's just making the rounds. First game of the season, too. Just starts yeah. out. I think that was while. Boom. Right at, yeah, it was while Kachuk was out there and everyone was cheering. And they were like, let's go. <laughs> like, we, we did this. We got this done. We yeah. did our job. I think that should be framed, put in the CTC, and just say game one of unparalleled success. Yeah. And well, you see, the, so the, the Clark MacArthur mural is finally down. Yeah. And so that, I mean, you got to replace it with something. I, I'd be okay with putting like a 50-foot picture of Pierre Maguire fist-bumping Pierre Dorian in the CTC concourse while you're waiting 20 minutes to go to the bathroom to look at. I would not be Which has that. hot water now. Yes. Oh, yeah, it does. But, okay, so here's my, my one, my one takeaway from my experience of the game. It's very fun. But the concourse is apocalyptic. Like, it's so bad. It is – you go there – They've closed – it seems like they've closed every single concession that's not in, like, the little blob of, like, the burger place, Gabriel's uh, – you know what I mean? You know what mm. I'm talking about? Like, you know yeah. how there's two of those on either side of the yeah. 200? Both concert? of those are open? Both of those are open. Everything else is closed. So you can only get food at two places pretty much. The lines are, like – it's incoherent where you're even supposed to be to get something. It is like a mess. Like it looks like World War Z. Like it's like a zombie. Like it's crazy. So like the pulled pork place. The like the. It's gone. Yeah. They're, they're Smoked all, meat's but gone. They're still there, but they're just closed. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. They're, so they're looking for staff. Uh, I was. Are they? Online. Okay. A lot even of the burrito staff. place. No. Oh, I didn't check. I didn't check the burrito place. I don't know about that one because that's in the. It's in a one of those little clumps, isn't it? Yeah, it's like to the right of the the Putin place and so maybe it's, it might still be open. I didn't get a burrito. I got a burger. That's usually my go-to, just line. because it's yeah, because the pizza used to be awful there, but now they. It have Gabriel's. looks good though. It was big line for Gabriel's. I'll give him that. There was I wanted As Gabriel's. There should be. I wanted Gabriel's, but I knew if I was going to get in that line, I went in the intermission, I knew I was going to be there for the next two periods. So you got to go in the last whistle before the intermission. No, nah, I mean, so you don't yeah, really miss much. <laughs> it was funny. I had, I met a buddy at the game and he was standing, you know, in one of those concessions, like just the general ones where they give you like beer and popcorn and, and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple of those open. So he was standing in huge line beginning of the first intermission. He's like, yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to get a beer. I'll be back. Like, you know, start of the period. He never came back. I went to that same line, second intermission. He's still there. He's still in the line. He spent the entire period in that line. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's no way. 
That's like crazy. that's insane. It's crazy. Well, the, the, the issue is they're looking for staff. And what I heard on Twitter was a lot of people relied on tips when they had cash payments, which I don't think you're allowed to do anymore. Yeah, it's fully yeah, electronic. They're cashless. So yeah. when you're working a four-hour shift where you have to make the trek out to Canada, oftentimes by bus, like people don't really want to work for 14 bucks an hour, right? Like you're making what, 50 some dollars for a four hour shift. Whereas yeah. when they were getting tips, they were getting a bit more. So it was worth making their way out. Um, a couple of, someone said on Twitter that they got fired when they used to work there because they wouldn't accept enough shifts, even though they were in high school. So like, it may not be the most fun place to work. So that might be why they're having trouble staffing and opening some of those places. But that's not, that's not the sense. That's Aramark. So it's not a... yeah. This is not about the Ottawa Senators. This is about the company that does the concessions. Yeah. Did you yes. Did you guys see the new uh, nacho pierogies that they're apparently yeah. serving? I think those that's an hundred. That's got to be an hundred level thing, though. Surely, I didn't yeah. see those. They look solid. They look incredible. I mean, how? What do you think the price is for that? Twenty five dollars, maybe. I don't know. This but is like, a lot this better is... than attendance discourse, by the way. Oh, no, yeah, we're not we're not indulging in that at all. We're not even gonna not even gonna go there. Yeah. I made a joke. About Much it rather earlier, discuss that's... the economics of the CTC. Yeah, that's the food. That's much better. Oh, mm. like that that those pierogies. That reminds me of going to Winnipeg Walleyes games, like the baseball team in Winnipeg, and everybody lining up for the for the famous pierogi stand there. So, I don't know, it, it it looks like the the food options might might be getting better. Like especially with Gabriel's, right? The Gabe the Gabriel's looked really good. It looked because the pizza pizza slices. Like you looked at them, you didn't have to. You looked at them, it was like weird and dry and slim and and not very. Didn't big. even look like pizza pizza. No, it was stupid. And then I was looking at people who got Gabriel's. It's like, it's like greasy and oily. It's like it's like you know you can see the reflection off the pepperoni. Like it was like it was really like it was like dystopic, but in a good way. And then they ate it and they were like, oh man, classic, great stuff. I yeah. I, I you know what I saw? I saw the Gabriel's mascot. He was there. He was in. Great. So he actually he is friends with Sparty. Again, oh, he, 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 he wasn't with Sparty, but he, I, he must have got invited to the game by him, right? So he was there and he was walking the concourse. I don't know how he made it through. It was so packed. It's just this sticking, this huge Italian guy just sticking out. But Jeez. He was I there can't wait to go next weekend. That's gonna be You're great. going next weekend? I'm going to the Rangers. I'm going to make my game. way out yeah. to the Sharks game. Maybe oh, they have okay. a captaincy game slash well, Eric well, Carlson. I mean, the problem Cup. with that is we have a Boston Kachuk's game. Yeah, I was about to say, we have a game. Yes, but that's – it's at 7, and our game is at 10. Oh, that's cutting it a little close. Thank God we're at Bell now. Oh. Yeah, holy. Yes, exactly. I'm going to park at the rink, which – no, I'm not. Like, that might not be allowed, so I didn't say that on the internet. Um, park <laughs> at the rink. <laughs> no, you didn't say what rink. You didn't say what rink. That's true. That is true. That is true. Um, leave it like, you know, worst case, if it's hopefully it's not a close game, leave it like 920. If I have to then make it on time, I will not, I will be able to get to both because okay. the tickets on re- resale are about 25, 30 bucks, which is pretty good. Sure. And I want to, I want to get out to a game. Like now that Kachuk yeah, signed, course. I'm actually willing to go to a game. I might make sure I eat a lot before. So I'm yes, not hungry to smart. buy anything there. That is smart. But yeah, I'm excited to get out to a game. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's fun. I recommend it. Yeah, guys go out like seriously. Like it's it's fun if there. you can if you if you can afford if you can, it if yeah. there's if you feel like like you're good with vaccination and a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. there's no one that's like at risk in your household. It, it the way it was very I was very impressed with how they were they were like the perfect amount of strict with with mask wearing like if you know they they had an usher at least in the section that I was in 
um, there was an usher who would, you know, every so often go up and down. And if someone was not like visibly eating or drinking, um, they'd be like, Hey, like, you know, get her back on there. And then, then every, they put a bag on. Everyone's all good. Yeah. Um, they're doing the same at 67's games, which is nice. Yep. So they're, they run in a nice operation of a vaccine check to get in so easy. Like it's 30 seconds. They'll probably have the line. QR code thing set up now by then too. Yep. Sure. So that's even quicker, but yeah, it's, uh, if you're, if you're able, uh, it's definitely worth it, I think, to, to get out and watch the guys play. So I think that's I think that's a good place to leave this episode, if I'm being honest. I don't yeah. know if you could have... Did not expect to get into that much detail about the CTC and the goings-on there, but... Well, I mean, we do what we can to fill the, the time quota, right? But uh, on that note, we will say goodbye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the send so far. I know we are. Two and one. We didn't even say that. They're a winning, they're on a winning record to start the year. Yep. Go sends. Let's keep it going. You, uh, unparalleled success. Here we go. Yes, sir. And we will see you guys next week after the next few games. Take care. And thanks again for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.